It's time for Heatwave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heatwave Sports, Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. Welcome on in. It's a wonderful Sunday night. Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. That's 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Tim Unglesby and Damon Cotton back with you behind, in the box. Taking care of the show tonight. Damon is back, and we're in Las Vegas. My co-host, as always, in New York City, from TomBartonSports.com and the Sports Guard Network. That's hashtag SGN. Tom Barton. Tommy, we're back at it. It's been uh, We had a little vacation there for the the holiday but we're back at it and we have a loaded full show tonight yeah absolutely i mean we're obviously starting with that uh logan paul mayweather fight right tim that's i thought we're gonna do two hours on that tonight (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry i I don't mean to intentionally laugh in the face of anybody that bought that uh but i am i I, there was there was look there was a wwe biography on um, uh, you know, there was, there was some reruns, uh, some good reruns were on at the time. Uh, I know that, that uh, Avengers was on free TV. She's the man was on, right? I yeah, mean, yeah. Uh, you have, uh, Alfred Hitchcock, King of the Hill, King of Queens. There's a lot of good television. Um, that was not going to be on my agenda. The sad thing about it, and this might be an indictment of the, the country of America right now. If, if that was on free TV, Tom... That that's fine. I, I don't have whatever, right? That's on free TV or cable TV that that you you get through your your direct TV or whatever your co- cable uh, provider is. Whatever. You paid upwards of sixty dollars for that, seventy dollars, whatever it was. Uh, seriously, need to to figure out what's going on in your life at this moment. What a crock of crap. Tim, people still watch CNN, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, that's free though. See. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Okay, that's enough time spent on that because nobody cares, and we don't ever have to speak of that again. On this I'm not show. sure Mayweather cared. <laughs> no, he's all about cashing checks, Tom. Yeah, so, uh, but look, you know, in in Vegas, uh, the city's 100 percent open. The buffets are. We got buffets coming back, Tom. We have a buffet of sports tonight. I'll let you s- choose where we start tonight. We've got so many topics we're going to hit on in the next two hours. Uh, we can go any direction. I know there was. A big trade in the NFL today. I know there are uh, two, two major sports playoffs continued. Of course, we're going to talk baseball tonight. And, yeah, we got this big uh, outrage in the PGA. Where do you want to go to start the show? You know, I really want to dig into the Julio stuff. Um, it's fresh. It's right there. So, you know, I was going to go with John Rahm, uh, you know, because of, of what the ridiculousness. But, Tim, Julio's fresh, man. And, mm-hmm. You guys, look, 876-1340, want to call about the, the Knights. We will talk about the Knights and how tonight's win was not nearly as epic as Knight fans is making it out to be. The last two wins were not nearly as epic as Knight fans are making it out to be. Nice nice win. Nice playoff win. Uh, nothing changes. Uh, they were supposed to win the first two at home, just like the Avalanche was supposed to win the first two there. The whole thing is consumed. Someone steal one on the road. We'll get into that. And we'll, if you guys want to do it, Hey, 876-1340. But, Tim, I think we got to get into Julio. Julio is fresh on people's minds. 
And here it is, Tim. Because I'm not one to normally drop sound bites, right? I don't do things for click and bait. And you could put this up on HW Sports and let people debate it. I'm not all that impressed with the trade. I'm not doing backflips over it. I'm not putting the Titans in the competition with the Kansas City Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills, your Baltimore Ravens might even still be ahead of them. I'm not that crazy about this Julio Jones trade because, Tim, not that crazy about Julio Jones. And I'm not that crazy about the landing spot. You know, everyone's going crazy about Julio, and the stats are there. But, Tim, let me break it down in another way for you. Because, yes, he's he's big, and he is uh, strong, and he's everything else, right? He's also 32 years old. He's a guy that continuously, I mean continuously, cannot find the end zone for whatever reason. You can tell me it's Matt Ryan. No, I don't buy that, right? There's a reason. He has a problem in the end zone. He also is constantly injured. This is a man that year after year after year, even if he's not missing chunks of games, you know, to me, it's the Ben Roethlisberger syndrome. You know, people go, ah, you know, Ben only missed two games. Yeah, but he was like hobbled for like seven, right? I mean, that is Julio Jones. He's got a massive contract. And I've said it before, and I will say it again for everybody in the cheap seats here, Tim. Ladies and gentlemen, no team has ever been a wide receiver away from a championship. The Tennessee Titans last year finished in the bottom five in run defense and pass defense on third down. Julio Jones does not play cornerback. Julio Jones doesn't play middle linebacker. The Tennessee Titans into week 10 had the least amount of pass rushes, the least amount of pressures, and the least amount of sacks in the league. Tim, going into week 10, less than double digits. They were horrible at getting after the quarterback. So all the Julio Jones hoopla, and everyone's going crazy about Julio, and what will Julio be with A.J. Brown and Tannehill and Henry? Oh, it looks great. And they got a new offensive line. Oh, it looks great. Tim, he doesn't play defense, and they just used a ton of cash capital that they should have been using on defense. Yeah, let's, let's dissect this trade, and then obviously I want to get DeMond's thoughts, Tommy, because he is a Titan fan, and uh, he's back on the show with us this week, and I'd love to get his thoughts after we kind of break this down. Um, let's just start with the easy part, which is the return for the Atlanta Falcons. Now, Tommy, they get a second rounder in the 2022 draft and a fourth rounder in the 2023 draft. They did give up a draft pick to go back the other way in 2023 as well. So for all the hoopla that we talked about, the trade happening and, and all the possibilities of the franchises he could go to and what was he worth, right? We, we talked about what he, he was worth, and we had said that we didn't think a first would be on the table, even though supposedly somebody offered a first for him, which obviously didn't be, turn out to be true, right, Tom? Because if they would have taken the first. The, the comeback for Atlanta, which is cap-strapped, and they need this money to, to sign their draft class, number one. They are up against the, uh, the limit there with money. It wasn't a good return for Atlanta as far as I'm concerned. In fact, if you really look at what everybody was saying they were willing to give up, they were all, it was, was this another uh, pomp and circumstances just stand, you know, basically seeing what other teams would be willing to give up because nobody came to the table with a first-round pick in this one, and this is the best they could do? I don't know if Atlanta, I think they got fleeced on this deal. Well, you know, you can look at it two ways, and I'll give you the two ways. Um, during the draft, the Patriots gave up a second and two-fourths to move up eight spots in the draft. Mm -hmm. They wound up getting Christian Barrymore. The Falcons gave up a second and a fourth 
for Julio Jones. <laughs> right? I mean, you know, you could say that. But let, let me just explain here. So Julio's tra- traded for a second and, and a fourth, right? DeAndre Hopkins was traded for second and some change, right? Um, Muhammad Sanu went for a second round pick. So I think that the market is telling you he's a huge name, Tim. And this is where I'm anti-Julio here. And I don't mean to be anti-Julio. I like him as a player. I think he's a good player. And I think he adds something to the Titans. But let's not overstate what I've said for years on this show. General managers and NFL coaches do not look at wide receivers the same way we do. Look at the successful franchises that there have been in the last how many years. The Patriots are number one. Outside of the Randy Moss years, which is one of the greatest of all time, outside of Randy Moss, they put a de-emphasis on wide receivers. They de-emphasize the position. Why? Because general managers uh, who are making the trade, they just don't care that Julio Jones has great name recognition. They don't care, Tim. He's DeAndre Hopkins. Everyone said, oh, man, you know, they got fleeced. Well, Kind of just went for exactly what Julio Jones for. I know Sanu isn't exactly up to that caliber, but again, another wide receiver, second rounder. So I think it's it on surface to the fan. I think people are going, oh man, they got fleeced. Oh, it's a terrible trade. When you're in those rooms, I think we have seen what does a high-priced, big-time wide receiver go for? A second round pick and more. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this then. And, and- just looking at receivers that would be considered uh, ranked higher than him, and, and I'll just say three off the top of my head would be uh, Adams, uh, Stephon Diggs, and Tyree Kill, right? You would agree that those three are, are considered worth more than Julio Jones. Do any of those three get a first-round pick? Um, yeah, potentially. Uh, potentially, and, and the reason why potentially, Tim, is because age and no injuries. Right yeah. now, Devonte Adams probably won't get a first, not for any doing by himself. I would say Devonte Adams would be a a product of wasn't highly recruited out of college, and he's got Aaron Rodgers with him. Right, Stephon Diggs absolutely has some injury concerns, but Stephon Diggs is younger. I think Diggs could fetch a first. Tyreek definitely would. Tyreek is young. He's fast. He's uh, controllable. A.J. Brown would get a first. Calvin Ridley, his teammate, would get a first. D.K. Metcalf would get a first. Justin Jefferson would get a first. Outside of that, I don't know. And Allen Robinson, probably, he's a second. Michael Thomas is a second now. Uh, right? Mike Evans is maybe a second. Keenan Allen. You have to look at age. You have to look at salary. And when you're talking about Julio Jones, while he is a fringe Hall of Famer, Right, I, and when I say fringe, I mean I would have to think about it long and hard. Um, he's a that's not not to take anything away from him. He's a fringe Hall of Famer. No one's given up that for a thirty-two-year-old, often injured, massively expensive wide receiver. So the Tennessee side of it, you had you broke it down for us. Where number one point would be. Nobody's a wide receiver away from a title. Number two, the defensive issues that they they, uh, encountered, especially in the playoff game, exposed right by the Ravens in that one, Tom. When you look at the dynamic of, and that's what everybody's pointing at, was, oh, we got the two receivers, we got the 2,000-yard running back, we have a, a, a very efficient quarterback. Okay, we've seen this before, right, Tom? We've seen offensively loaded up 
and they never bring home the title, what's going to change in this aspect of it? Already, you and I both agree, it's nothing's going to change here. No, not at all. Not at all. I, I mean, look, it, even from a fantasy standpoint, people go, oh, man, you know, if you load the box and Henry's going to run it, uh, uh, then they're going to throw it, and then Henry will run it. But, uh, you know, he's, he's going to give them a downfield threat. He's going to give them another dimension. There are going to be games, okay, where they absolutely humiliate the Jacksonville secondary, right? There are going to be games where you look up and you go, wow, they Julio Jones and, <laughs> you know, the, the team puts up uh, 200 yards and he's got two touchdowns. I mean, there are going to be some, some exciting games. Those eye-popping type of games. But, guys, there's a lot working against the Titans here. One of the things working against the Titans is that nobody in the history of the sport has had a workload that, like Derrick Henry and been able to lead the league at his age with a workload behind him and able to, to lead the league in rushing and do what he's supposed to do this year. There's also the idea that there's nobody behind Derrick Henry in case he gets injured. A.J. Brown was coming into his own. And A.J. Brown getting help, I think he gets a boost here. But we've also seen guys go the other way, right? Haven't we seen it go, ah, you know, now Tannehill's going to kind of have to force the ball a little bit. I think Tannehill gets the biggest jolt up. I think Tannehill looks great here. Julio, I don't think he's going to have the same numbers in Atlanta. Remember in Atlanta, he got to play inside, right? He got to play uh, with Matt Ryan. To call him noodle arm all you want and everything else, and he wanted a deep downfield receiver. Yeah, sure. Uh, But look, Matt Ryan was able to get the ball. He had an MVP a couple of years ago. Julio Jones' numbers are going to look very similar. A.J. Brown's numbers probably go up slightly only because he was supposed to go up. Derrick Henry, I expect his numbers to go down. And Ryan Tannehill's numbers will go up. What does that mean? I think Julio brings a win or two more. The Tennessee Titans were the favorite to win that division right there with the Colts. Maybe they secure the number one spot over Indianapolis a little bit more today. Maybe they should be the favorite a little bit more. But they're still vastly behind Buffalo. Still vastly behind Kansas City. I, I might put them behind Baltimore, Tim. They're a team. I might put them behind Cleveland. They're a team that I don't think Julio Jones took them from, oh my goodness, they're not a playoff team to a playoff team. I always thought they were a playoff team anyway. And he certainly didn't take them from playoff team to Super Bowl. From the image standpoint, for and, and we'll get Demond's thoughts. Demond, jump on here if if you can. Um, you're a fan of the, the Titans. What's your initial thoughts when you heard the trade, and how do you think it plays out being a Titan fan? Two words, Super Bowl. Why, though? Why? This is the best player we've ever gotten. Let me enjoy this. I'm, I'm, I'll think about it later. See, see, that's it, Tom, right? When, from, a, from an image standpoint of the franchise, and, and I've heard that sentiment uttered by other people, was like, this is a big deal for the Tennessee T- Titan franchise. Uh, but big deals like this don't produce titles because you just said. Is this an aspect of that they're going to try to outshoot Buffalo KC to to wait to to get into the Super Bowl because if that's the case they're still going to fail the defense is still the same. Tim, you know when you have Jeffrey Simmons and Autry and Dalen Mack and Hamilton Brown, uh, David Long. Uh, now I like how Landry right, uh, mm-hmm. Denoris Jenkins and Fulton are on the outside. Kevin Byard is all right. Hooker. These are the names on defense. There, there's no outside of of you know oh, Landry who I like a lot. Okay, and maybe Jeffrey Simmons kind of grows up this year. There's no, there's no stars there, but I think the reality here, Tim, and, and I can 
relate to what DeMond's saying. Let Tennessee enjoy it. It's a great move. It's a move you had to make. But, Tim, I'm a New York Yankee fan. And a couple of years ago, we had to make a move where we fleeced team. And everybody flipped out. And his name is Giancarlo Stanton. Right? Yeah. And Giancarlo Stanton still to this day has all the talent in the world. But Giancarlo Stanton was an aging guy, constantly hurt, massive contract, and he's weighing down the Yankees. I don't think that's going to be Julio. I think Julio will have a very good year, but I still look at Julio Jones with a slight head tilt. And I say, yeah, look, in one respect, you got a guy that could be a Hall of Famer. You got a guy that could lead your offense. You got a, a shot. Where, yes, Julio Jones absolutely can take this team and compete on the same field with Kansas City and Buffalo. But I look at it the other side and I go, he's also 32. He's also often injured. He's also not what they needed. I would be more excited if they brought in J.J. Watt, which was the rumor, right? If they wound up bringing in J.J. Watt, I would tell you Tennessee was closer to a championship with J.J. Watt than they were with Julio Jones. If this trade was... Julio Jones going to KC or Buffalo. It's it's a completely different situation, right, Tom? It's it's adding to already teams that are better than the team that he went to. My so, thing is this, Tim. Here's here's something I want to talk to about, and I want to ask Demond this because uh, no, I don't want to bring him down, but you have to think about it. Look, the reality is there that Derrick Henry is just at that age where you have to start worrying about him. He's at that workload where you have to start worrying about him. He's at the, He was at that workload last year, and he defied all everybody's expectations and everything, okay? We've seen this happen before. Sean Alexander comes to mind, right, where the guy was just dominating on top of the sport and everything else. He's 27 years old, so he's younger than most of the guys that kind of hit a wall. But didn't we kind of see Ezekiel Elliott hit a wall here? I mean, it happens with great running backs. It happens with great running backs, even if they're big, when they're taking a pounding. Even if Derrick Henry has a great year this year, okay, is the future of Tennessee throw the ball all over the field? Because with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones now on the contract for, what, the next three or four years, and Ryan Tannehill, that seems to be their MO. They seem to be moving away from the big running back and saying, well, look, we know Derrick Henry doesn't have much life left. He's got maybe, uh, maybe two more seasons of really top performances, and I, I'm being rose-colored glasses there. So is that their formula? Are they really entrusting the franchise into the right arm of Tannehill and hoping that the wide receivers and throwing it downfield is going to be the way? Because I've seen their success, and their success is just run the ball, be gritty, have a good offensive line, and move it. That's been their success. I feel like they're moving away from that. I look at it more when I saw it because I hadn't seen it till you texted me, and then I went and looked, of course, and I was like, okay. I liked it for Tennessee in that it's something like Demond said they want to enjoy it, and then the more I kind of started to break it down in my brain, I was like, I don't know. That was the team that when we saw the list come out, right, Tom? Baltimore, San Francisco, New England. Tennessee was the one at the very bottom that I thought. It just didn't make sense to me because, as you just said, are they changing their style of football? And when you have a back that you're going to ride into the ground until he can no longer go, that's not the style of football that Tennessee's made of, right? They're not, they haven't even talked about changing that aspect of it, much like 
Ravens are talking about going to a passing-oriented offense. We didn't even hear that in Tennessee. So it doesn't make doesn't sense make- to me. I'm okay with it, but I don't think it produces what everybody wants, and that's going to be a title. All right, I think uh, Tom's like uh, losing connection there, but you want my thoughts? Yes, yes, please. I'm here, guys. Okay. We still want your thoughts, Tom. All right, guys, let me just tell you right off the bat. You know what? You're talking like, Tom, you were talking about like, oh, maybe Derrick Henry doesn't have. This is why you make that move. Now you're a better passing team. You're res- you're preserving his legs a little bit more so that he can, you know, have some fresher legs down throughout the season. So you're not so predictable passing on early, on early passing, you know, on early rushing situations. Maybe you can air it out a little bit more on those early rushing situations that teams are going to be thinking that you're going to do. You know what? It makes total sense. And, you know, this team is going to, it's a cakewalk through the division. They are looking at the Chiefs. They are looking at Buffalo. AFC Championship at least. What do you think that, okay, yeah, I see that side of it as well, but is this an aspect of you're you're basically saying and maybe you value the defense more than than I do but are you saying that hey we're going to go in there and just try to outscore Kansas City in the AFC title game Say that again Is this a, is a case of the we're going to go out, we're going to go into the AFC title game and, and try to just outscore KC Yes, yes exactly, exactly. That's what this team can do. Like they've got the weapons now to say, "Hey, we can outscore these guys." And I don't see why anybody believes that they can't. I mean, this team has shown that it's a top ten offense. This is the same type of team that if oh, if the defense matches the offense, of course it's a Super Bowl team. I don't see how people don't get it. <laughs> well, let's do this, Tommy. I don't know if Tommy's there, but let's just go ahead and take the first time out to Mon, and, and we'll come back. We'll get everybody back in sync here on the clean feed and we'll move over to the NBA and talk about the NBA playoffs on the other side of the timeout it's heat wave sports here on a Sunday night Fox Sports Radio We sitting in here, I supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. Listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a, not a, not the game that I go out there and, and die for and play every game like it's my last. Not the game. We're talking about practice, man. I mean, how silly is that? Now back to Heat Wave Sports. Here's Tim Unglesby. NBA playoffs. Philly could have used it. A little iris in time today, but we'll we'll get to that one first. Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton, Heatwave Sports, Super Sunday Night, wrapping up the the Julio Jones trade. Tommy, any last last thoughts on the on the trade with Jones? Well, my last, last thought is this: it was a deal that had to be made. Be very happy if you're a Titans fan, but pull in your expectations. You know, I don't think the word Super Bowl should be any more on your lips than it was yesterday. I believe that you still have the same sort of problems, but it might have, might be a more fun year. 
right? I mean, it's going to be fun to root for him. It'll be fun to see that combination. Big, tall guys. Ryan Tannehill. If you're in a fantasy league, man, woof, Ryan Tannehill shoots up my rankings. But I worry about the uh, all of a sudden, you know what, Titans are in the class of the Kansas City Chiefs talk. Mm-hmm. They're still behind them uh, as much as they were just yesterday because in order to beat the Chiefs got to keep Mahomes off the field you have to pressure Mahomes and you're going to have to run the ball well Henry's still going to have to do the bulk of that running the ball they still can't get to Mahomes and they're still going to have to control the clock which is all about Derrick Henry not exactly about Julio Jones odds on the Super Bowl for Tennessee have changed Tom 35 to 1 down to 30 to 1 after the trade yeah I mean and doesn't that tell you um, that he's not that huge and watch this Went there from 35 to 1 down to 30 to 1. And, you know, that is the initial, okay, that's going to pop. Watch all of a sudden what's going to happen. Over the course of the summer, that'll rise again because people start looking at that roster and going, okay, they can't play defense. It, it wasn't 35 to 1 down to 15 to 1, right? Yeah. Which a, a massive player sometimes does. Julio is a massive player, just doesn't play that massive position. This is, in terms of baseball, since I, I equated this to Julio Jones, this is the equivalent of a playoff team suddenly getting a really great closer. Well, that's cool. <laughs> you know, that's great that you have a closer, but that wasn't your problem. Yeah. Let's uh, see how it plays out as we move towards Tom. Football is literally less than three months away, and that's going to go quick. So, Less than 90 days away. Yeah. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Much like the NBA is crazy, Tom, and I had said that we would talk about the, the Sixers matchup first, but actually there's a, there was a Game 7 today in the first round of the NBA playoffs in a matchup where the home team had lost every game up until Game 7. Tommy, the Clippers move on to the second round, 126-111 over Dallas, a series that Dallas should have won, in my opinion, and really gave it away. And, and couldn't get a big win. And I know you had posted about Luca, so I'd love to get those thoughts here on the air because um, if even if they would have won, in my opinion, Tom, even if they would have beat the Clippers, they're not built ready to to win an NBA title. And I think we saw some of their faults exposed today by a veteran Clipper team. Well, Tim, this morning on on SGN uh, on the Wanda Bet Show. You guys can go check that out on my podcast at Wagering Week. You get into we get into that, and, and I really broke down the Milwaukee and the Nets series. Okay, in the Milwaukee and the Nets series, my main kind of component there is that it's Giannis who is clearly a one, and then you don't really have a two. You you more have a three and a four. Now he has he has the typical two. He has the the old style two, but now a two has to be a superstar as well. And I think Luca is in the same kind of category. Isn't he? Luke is the best player in the NBA. I don't I don't think many people are arguing that, right? Luke is the best player in the NBA, and he has been uh, almost since he stepped into the league. And, and Giannis, I agree, is right there. Luke or Giannis are one, two. Um, so when you talk about Luka, you go, okay, he's the best player in the NBA, but, and there is that but there, Tim, and that but is Dallas Mavericks believed that Christoph Porzingis was the number two. He never was. He never was, and he never will be. He is a three when he's playing well. I mean, look, he can be a three on a championship team if you have a very good two. But he's trying to be a two. And let's be honest, on a a really well-constructed team, Porzingis is like a four, right? A very good four. 
So all of a sudden, you're asking Luca to go out there. Okay, Luca, you go out there, you score your 40, 45, and we're hoping that the rest of the team can get it done, except the rest of the team, there is no rest of the team. This is the epitome of one guy trying to do it all. We remember back when LeBron was dominating the least, right? The, the pathetic East with nobody even kind of standing in his way. And we used to talk about LeBron has no one. LeBron has no one. Well, guess what? LeBron's teams back then, uh, for the competition that they faced, they had more than Luka. And look at what Luka has to work with. Let's really break it down. And that's what today was about. I put it out there on Twitter. Tom Barton Sports over on Twitter. And I said, Luka proved something to the world, even though that the Clippers advanced. The conversation that we're having today is not about the Clippers. It's about Luka, as well it should be. There is no better basketball player in the world than Luka. We know that. But he will win nothing, just like the second best player in the world. Giannis will win nothing unless they go out there and get him another number two. I like Middleton and I like Porzingis, but they're in the NBA that's constructed today. Tim, the NBA we grew up with, these are championship teams. Tim, the NBA 15 years ago, 10 years ago maybe, these can be championship teams. But no, not anymore. Ever since the big three in Boston, then went the big three in Miami, now you got the big three in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. You need big three. And when we're saying big three, we're not saying Luka and a guy like uh, Porzingis, who's a solid player, or a Giannis and a solid player. No, you're going up against teams that are, are you got LeBron and AD, right? I mean, that's what you have. You have uh, Paul and, and, and uh, you know, the guy that just knocked him out. And, and you're looking at situations where you're going up against superstars here. These are not just good players. They're stars. Luka is the best player in basketball I'll say it again but unless he gets help he's not going to win a thing and I think that's what we come away from the series with I agree Porzingis that's what they were banking on right the European connection but it, but it extends further than that Tom when you look at Dallas 141 games right that they got better play from their guards than they should have right when you look at Finney and uh, Hardaway Jr that that's not a backcourt in the NBA that's going to win you a title. And I think that's what really, you know, I had joked about it on t Twitter. I said, Cuban better open up the checkbook and, and bring the big three to, to Dallas. He needs to get a big-time point guard or a big-time off guard and, and build that way. I mean, that, or else they're just going to be what they are, which is a first-round exit. Well, right, the problem is this, and I just wrote an article, actually. Um, I, I just wrote an article out here, and, I, and I've been doing, you know, a lot of writing. I've been asked to do a lot of writing, and my my kind of my article was about Damian Lillard, who is now very upset, it seems, and he kind of wants out of Portland because he tried to do it, right? Everyone's building this big three and they're building these super teams and Damian Lillard's going, you know what? I'm going to be loyal to the brand, man. And me and McCollum could get it done. And again, McCollum's a very nice player, but he's certainly not a number two. And my argument was, you know, bring him to New York and let Julie, a guy like Julius Randle, who, by the way, was an MVP candidate, could be your number two. Well, the problem is, is that it's hard to bring big-time players here. First of all, the draft, we know it. After pick, like, 10 in the draft, in the NBA draft, you're not finding stars. There, hey, Look, here and there, maybe, but it's very difficult to find stars in the draft. So you have to be bad. If you're a team that's making the playoffs, it's hard to find that next guy. And then go, go out there and ask yourself, who's that number two that would ever be available? They just don't exist, Tim. I mean, we're talking about, a two that is really going to be available, not a two 
that sits there and, and well, we can take, take a pie in the sky. You want to go out there and make a play for Damian Lillard? Now we're having a conversation. But as much as I don't like Mark Cuban's uh, mouth sometimes, right, and, and his, his ideas and his anti-American stance and all that, I can't put the blame on him here because there's nobody to go by. I think he would do it. I think he will open up his, his wallet. Problem is, I don't know if there's any takers to go into that wallet. And what he's going to wind up doing is flashing a lot of coin and getting guys that are probably more like threes than twos. Mm-hmm. So so with the Clippers moving on, Tom, they'll, they'll adjust to round two where they take on the Utah Jazz, who after dropping the opening game to Memphis, steamrolled their way through into the next round. The first game will be Tuesday night, and the opening line, the Jazz in game one, a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Look, I've liked the Jazz all along, and since probably about mid-January, I said I think that the Jazz are going to win this whole thing. Um, I threw some money on the Jazz. I think they're the better team. When Donovan Mitchell is healthy, this team is the best team in the NBA. Now, you know, is he completely healthy? Do you buy into him 100%? Not fully. And the Clippers, look, they looked bad. It's time to kind of pile on the Clippers. I get that. But I've never believed that the Clippers were designed to win a championship. They, they wanted to, but they never showed me that design to go win a championship. I don't believe that Kawhi Leonard is a leader. I think he's a really good player, but I don't think he's a leader. I certainly don't think playoff Paul, who seems to fall apart during the playoffs, I don't think he's a leader. I think they're devoid of a leader on that team, which always brings me to, well, they remind me of the Houston Rockets of a couple of years with James Harden, who's not a leader. They remind me of the 50-win Memphis Grizzlies that I used to love with Marcus All and Connolly. They just didn't have that guy that put them over the top. I have to go with Utah here because they play as a team. They have been the most consistently good team all year long, and they are constantly overlooked. Donovan Mitchell's health is massive, okay? But I'm going with Utah. I think they win game one pretty emphatically, actually. I like them to cover, and I think that they win the series. I don't want to say handedly, but I certainly don't think it's go seven. Yeah. They win it in five, maybe, maybe six. Yeah. I have four two Utah, and, and I think you're right. Game one. I like Utah to uh, continue because they're, they're. You take game one away, they looked really good in in the last three games, or especially the last three games of this of the series. And um, yeah, the Clippers are they're an enigma that just you just said it. Who's who's the guy there? And Kawhi can only do so much. Paul's played well in the in the playoffs, but you know we'll, we'll see how how uh, Utah looks Tuesday night. And I, I like him. I like him a lot. The other matchup in the West, Denver, Tommy beat up. Uh, I think half the team is, is injured against Phoenix, who took out Lay Flop and the defending champions. It, you know, I kind of feel bad for Denver in this situation. If they, if they get booted here in this round, they just they didn't have the team that they wanted to have here. So could we be talking about Phoenix, Utah, in the Western Conference Finals, Tom? Is this back in the 90s? I think we can. What's funny is that I'm not counting Denver out. Look, if they had Murray, Denver's the best team in the league, and I think we, we know that, right? But they don't. They don't, and they're they're still dangerous, though. When you have a guy like Jokic, how do you bet against them? I know Phoenix was exciting, and I know Phoenix has got everyone because we're all talking about it. But let's not overlook what Denver did, right? I mean, Denver went out there, and, and they absolutely did what they had to do in a tough environment against a true star player. I still 
continue to worry about Chris Paul as a playoff performer. I've been doing that, Tim. I've been talking about that since me, me, you, and Marty were on the air, okay? <laughs> we were doing Clippers stuff, and I said, Chris Paul is a, is just a bad playoff player. And he is. One series doesn't change my mind. He's got to do it over and over again. And I don't think he even had that great of a series. This was the Devin Booker show. The Devin Booker show ain't going down against Denver, right? I mean, Chris Paul is going to have to step up. So I look at Chris Paul and I go, you're the X factor. I'm not counting Denver out. Look, I don't know if I... I haven't yet, and I don't know if I have it in me to go put money on Denver, but I'm certainly not taking Phoenix to advance. Game one tomorrow, and here we go. Another. It's, it's, looks like it's five, Tom. Five Phoenix at home. Yeah, I mean, I would take. It, I'm going to wait to see. You know, I, I, these game ones, I'm going to wait to see. If you give me a free thousand bucks right now, I'll throw it on on you uh, Denver. You know, plus the points. Um, but I'm going to wait and see how this one plays out. I, I just think that everyone's seemingly overlooking Denver because of not because of who Phoenix is, but because of who Phoenix beat. Mm. Over in the East, game one or game two, excuse me, tomorrow, Milwaukee at Brooklyn. This line, of course, has gone down with the injury to Harden. He's out for tomorrow's game. One and a half, Brooklyn at home against Giannis. Tim, I broke this down in depth on my podcast, Wagering Week, this week. And I kind of expected Brooklyn to win game one. And I still think there's some value on Milwaukee. I've watched Milwaukee kind of grow up here. And and with or without Harden, I kind of liked Milwaukee. I like Milwaukee because besides Giannis being uh, just kind of on a different level, and I do think Giannis is better than Kevin Durant, for anybody asking. Yes, I do. And I think Luke is better than Kevin Durant also at this stage in their career. So put that out of the way. Uh, Giannis is a guy that that Brooklyn has problems with. Brooklyn, look at what, look at look at Boston. Boston stole a game because Tatum went crazy. Well, against this team in the regular season, Giannis did put up forty nine, right? He also put up thirty six and thirty four spot. They can't stop him. And there's going to be a game or two that Giannis goes absolutely bonkers. And my whole thing is this: Is there a way that the Milwaukee Bucks can force Brooklyn to feel pressure because they have never felt pressure as a team, Tim. And we talk about it all the time. You know, oh, this guy never felt the big stage. He's never felt pressure. We talk about that in sports constantly. This team has never even sniffed pressure. So winning game one would have done that. Winning game two might be able to do that. If it's 2-0, you know, I think Giannis has a big game here or there. Uh, maybe they steal a game or two because Giannis goes crazy. But I want to see Brooklyn under pressure. I think tomorrow night, that could be. It could be that game where Milwaukee knows we got we to gotta get this game, put them under pressure, and see how they react. Yeah. And what if the series extends? Say Harden. How long is Harden out? Do, do we know? They No, no timetable. Oh. Say, say that injury extends, Tommy, and it, it gets into a deeper series. Say they're even down in elimination game. What about the... And um, I'm looking at more more as of where the aspect of the head coaching comes in. If they're an elimination game, can you depend on Steve Nash to make the right calls? No, no. Uh, but, but again, is Steve Nash even making those calls? Yeah, true. You know, I true. question if Steve Nash is even making those calls. And that's the thing with Brooklyn. Everybody loves him. Oh, we love Brooklyn. We love Brooklyn. Like, look, weak coaching, no team chemistry. They, they're a team that... 
you know, if they go out there and win, I don't think anybody's going to be shocked. But I am certainly not going to be the guy that goes out there and bets them. Yeah. The other matchup we saw game one today, Atlanta behind Trey Young's 35 points. Tom, they steal game from the Sixers in this one, 128-124. Huge first half from the Atlanta Hawks. Take a game on the road. Is there, you know, they, they won uh, 16 games on the road during the regular season, four under 500. They win one here in the big one. They won in New York. Trey Young's heating up. Is it possible, Tom? Can we get an upset here again? Yeah, we can. We can because of Joel Embiid. Now, I don't think it's panic time in Philly. Uh, Trey Young just came out red hot. They wound up adjusting to him in the second half. He scored 25 points in the first half and 10 in the second half. And you watch, they took green off of him in the in the second half and kind of double teamed. And they really did slow him down. So is that a formula that they go back to? Will they adjust quicker next time? Bill Belichick always says, if you're making adjustments at halftime, you're already too late, right? So I think Philly has a chance to, to, to right the ship and be perfectly okay. But every now and then in sports, a guy comes out of nowhere that shouldn't be out of nowhere. And we look back years later and we go, oh, that was that guy. Go back to Tom Brady, Tim, right? Tom Brady taking on the St. Louis Rams in the Super Bowl. Nobody would have thought he was Tom Brady, but now all of a sudden, he's Tom Brady. Well, Trey Young could be that guy, can he? He's a young kid, came up with all kinds of hoopla, but nobody really believed in the Hawks. Now he's on the big stage, knocks off the Knicks in Madison Square Garden, knocks off Philly down in Philly, and all of a sudden, Trey Young, who knows, five years from now, we could be looking back and go, oh, well, of course Trey Young beat the Knicks in Philly, like, and laughing about it. No, but he's not there yet. So I'm not counting the Hawks out at all. I thought they were a live dog in the series because of the Embiid injury, and all of a sudden, Trey Young is just on another planet. I said that Luka and Giannis are the one, two best players in basketball. Right now, who's playing the best? Trey Young might be playing the best. Well, game two will be Tuesday. Opening line, Philly five. I'll be on Philly for that one. Um, mm -hmm. I think that they have to bounce back at home. They were 11-0 at home coming into the game. So I think they right the ship at home. I do believe that Embiid will, will be a big part. of it. But I think they, they figured out how to defend Trey Young. And when you're young, no, no pun intended, but when you're a young player, this is now the time where He's thinking in his head, are they going to play me like they did in the first half and try to just hope my shooting doesn't go? Or are they going to play me like I did in the second half? And what if they do? What if they come out with a different combination? This now is about how does Trey Young adjust to the adjustments? I'll take my chances with Philly. I'll give Trey Young a lot of credit in that he handles adversity, especially in, when you're talking about crowd environment. And I know it's, Tom, I know it's still, everything's coming back together, but... You know, you get basically spit on in New York, and then you got to go to Philly, which is not exactly the, the nicest town either. And he's he's adjusted very well to those things. Listen, New York is still New York, and, and you know, it, yeah, it's not a full capacity, but those crowds were crazy. Look, just go look to the, at, at the Islanders, and I know. Look, this is gonna this is gonna resonate really good. I know everybody wants to believe that Vegas has one of the loudest arenas. Well, it's not louder than what we saw with the Islanders in New York. I can tell you that. And the commentators even were saying that, you know. Hmm. So New York is still New York, Tim. And, and going in Madison Square Garden, Atlanta was a better team. He is the best player on the court. But you still have to do it. And the way that he did it with that finesse, you're right. I give him a ton, a ton of credit. I kind of hope that Atlanta wins 
only because I continue to want to keep seeing what Trey Young can do. Now, I think they'd get squashed in the next round against either Milwaukee or Brooklyn. Um, and I think Philly would put up a better competition for Brooklyn if they do get by. But I kind of just don't want to see Trey Young end right now. Yeah. I'm a guy that looks at the aspect of if, you know, I don't keep, we, we've had the discussion about TV ratings and it doesn't matter anymore. They're in the tank, right? LeBron's not even in the playoffs. They can't, they can't use, oh, it's LeBron. LeBron got the, the playoff rate. I want to see the NBA's Phoenix. joke, that's right. Right. I want to see Phoenix, Atlanta in the finals. I want to see Booker and Young. That's the direction they need to go for the NBA. Yeah, if Brooklyn wins, they were supposed to win, right, Tom? They built a team to win. If Utah wins, that's an absolute wonderful story because of the times they got jobbed because of Jordan cheating. They got screwed out of two titles back in the day. We already know that. So give me Utah to win or Phoenix and Atlanta in the finals. Now that's an excellent NBA season. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And here's the thing. I wrote, and, and I talked about it on the air, how it is a bad thing if Brooklyn wins the championship. And it was a bad thing if the Lakers, I mean, you know, if they won the championship also. What it says to the NBA, short term, it would have been good for them, Tim, right? Short term, you go, oh, sure. Let, let's talk about the money grab that we can have with LeBron against uh, Brooklyn. Oh, that's great. But long term, it hurts the regular season product. Why, why even care about the regular season? Brooklyn said, we don't care about the regular season. Right. I mean, Brooklyn right. told you and the Lakers actually tanked on purpose. Right. I mean, they didn't care about the regular season at all. That hurts your product long term. I want to see LeBron out. I want to see LeBron out because he's a complete fraud and he's a joke. <laughs> but I, LeBron, it's good to see LeBron out. And I, I have nothing against Durant or Harden or Irving. I like Brooklyn. They're fine. I listen. I could root for the Nets any day of the week when they actually were the Nets. Now they go and buy a team. It's a bad precedent to set. It's a bad precedent to set that you could just go buy a team, throw them together. They play eight games during the regular season together. Nobody cares about regular season at all, and they go out and they win a championship. That is bad for the product of the NBA. And what's funny is that I've talked to NBA fans, and they are split 50-50 on this tip. Deep down NBA fans, you either get one side, no, it'll be great, it'll be TV ratings, and bring it back to Brooklyn and New York. Let me tell you something. Nobody in New York likes Brooklyn. There's nobody that they grew up rooting for or have ties to the city or have ties to the organization. There's nobody that had to go through the struggles. This is a thrown-together team that has no fans. So the people that want to sit back and say it's good for the NBA, you don't know what you're talking about. The Brooklyn Nets winning the championship would be a death nail to the NBA, which is already probably uh, a corpse as it is. I mean, we've seen no one cares about the NBA. Tom, I want to touch on the uh, head coaching vacancies real quickly before we move into hour two. So obviously Boston with a, with a head coaching opening because Stevens moves up to take Danny Ainge's job as president. Uh, Orlando today, Steve Clifford gone after three years, I think, and even though he took him – uh, got him in the playoffs in, in a completely rebuilt situation, Orlando. They are rebuilding still. But the one that got me the most was, and you mentioned him, over in Portland where Dame Lillard is the guy, right? And I know you love him. I love him. You were saying something about putting him in New York and let them do something with a superstar like that. I agree because he's wasting away in Portland. And, and what is their answer? What is Portland's ownership management answer is to fire the head coach who's made the playoffs the last eight years. And I get it, Tom. They're under 500 in the playoffs. They can't advance past the second round. I, I think they were in the uh, Western Conference Finals a couple years ago. 
and Golden State bounced him out. But that's the answer is to get rid of a guy who's consistently won there in the regular season with no help, right? You have Lillard and you have McCollum. That's all they have. Wrong That's move for me. You know, Terry Stotts did not deserve to lose his job. No, he didn't. Absolutely not. And, it, you know, you look at Dame Lillard coming to the podium and being angry. He wasn't angry about his coaching, right? He yeah. wasn't angry about his coaching. He's angry because, you're right, wasting away is a perfect example. But doesn't this happen in Portland? I mean, didn't didn't we go through this with a guy like Clyde Drexler, right? I mean, didn't yeah. we go through this uh, multiple times with the incarnation of Portland? That city... And that area, just this is who they are, okay? This is who the Portland Trail Blazers are. And, and the Blazers need to kind of uh, let Lillard go. <laughs> I mean, you really do. The way a franchise needs to build nowadays is you either have to go, we're going to go buy superstars, grab one, hope he's got influence to bring his friends in, or we're going to draft unbelievably ridiculous we're going to draft a john morant or a zion and then when they eventually get into the league three four five years watch people come in damian lillard is at a point in his career where guys absolutely know he's gonna be the difference maker for a championship he goes to new york they got a shot for a championship he goes to dallas they got a shot for a championship yeah. he is a top 10 player in this league when he, the playoffs come on he is the man this was not the coach's fault. As far as uh, as Orlando goes, look, they've been looking for a, an answer for a little while there. I don't love the fact that they put together basically the European model and fully embraced it. Once you do that, it's hard to get away from that. And that's the problem with Orlando right now. They went full European model, which, okay, in theory is a decent idea. But when that fails, which it miserably has, now you got to get away from that European model. And getting away from that European model is a problem. As far as Boston goes, I was stunned uh, about the situation, but I get it. We all sat back during quarantine and lived a different life, right? Um, it was forced on us by the liars on top, whatever, however you want to look at it. But we were forced to live different lives. And Brad Stevens lived a different life that he said, you know, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do the coaching grind. Coach K gave this up. Roy Williams gave this up. They all cited well, you know what? For the first time ever, I was home, home with my family, home and realizing I don't have to go through this ridiculous grind of head coaching. So I'm not shocked that Brad Stevens left. I'm kind of shocked that they put him into the front office. Danny Ainge out the door. I think we see Danny Ainge again. I know that he cited uh, health issues. I think we see him again. I think Brad Stevens has to go out now. And he's got to make a splashy hire. I don't think Orlando needs a splashy hire. I certainly don't think Portland does. But I think Boston needs a splashy hire, Tim. And whether that is maybe the first female head coach, whatever that might mean, I don't care. If they win, they win, right? Um, but I think he's got to make a splashy hire because he's replacing Brad Stevens. And Brad Stevens had a pretty good reputation in Boston. I definitely agree that Look, Orlando's going to go with their sixth head coach in seven years. That explains everything right there, which you need to know. Just uh, terrible mismanagement in the front office. Portland, I agree 100%. That's that's a mess waiting to happen with Lillard. But in Boston, and I think we'll see Brad Stevens again, and I think that's why they put him in the front office, Tommy, was that he will be the Boston Celtic head coach again at some point. He's young enough and healthy enough that he can do it. But in the meantime, they got to put somebody in there that's going to create – um, 
a wave. And I'm not talking about Jason Kidd, Tommy. If you want to bring Kara Lawson in and make her the first ever female head coach or Becky Hammond, I'm okay with that. If you want yeah, to bring in one, too. who cares if they yeah. win? The problem with that, Tim, and I know we're up against a break. Problem with with bringing in the first woman is if she doesn't work out, Brad Stevens has to fire the first woman. Correct, and becomes a bad guy, right? Yes. I say, I say, what they do is they bring in one of whoever the top assistant guys are that are that are supposedly in for these jobs, and if it doesn't work out, he can step in and take over the reins. If it does work out, Tom, he looks like a genius. Yeah, I, I think Boston has to do something. I mean, you know, their fans are getting antsy. Uh, you know, they're they're getting annoyed when Danny Age leaves, and, and he leaves a legacy. He's got a ring. You know, he played multiple times playoffs, robbed the Nets of all those picks, and he's leaving with a tarnished image. I mean, that is a tough fan base. Yeah. Heck, you want to bring in Terry Stotts? I'm fine, I'm fine with it, Tom. Right? You yeah, know what seriously. I mean? like, yeah, it's, 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 it is what it is, but it does have to be. <sighs> I, think I don't they know. Make a splash, Tim. I think they make a splash. Like a big college coach name, maybe? Maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that we're going to be sitting back and going, oh, okay, that, that's a fine hire. It's either going to be, whoa, okay, we're taking a shot here. And maybe it is Becky Hammond, right? Maybe it's Becky Hammond. Yeah. We're going, okay, let, let's check this out. Not that I'm doubting her, but it puts Brad Stevens in a rough spot because then you have to fire her if she right. doesn't do right. well. I mean, that pe- people don't look at that side of this. It has nothing to do with, with the feminist movement or anything else. Look, she wins. She wins. Put her out there. Hey, I'm all for it. But a brand new general manager, now you're going to have to make that decision. She's your first hire, would be your first failure, and then you have to fire her. It's a bad spot to be in Brad Stevens. Yeah, it, it, it would be better for Becky if she took the job in San Antonio because she's already there. Right? Or and Orlando. Pop- or Orlando yeah. where they're used to losing. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. So if she comes in, they're not going to be massive expectations of her. They can give her enough time to kind of learn uh, her place there. Okay, you know what? This is this is my situation. My place is to improve the team, and then my place is the next year to maybe make the playoffs. I don't need that in Boston. You got to make the playoffs year one, yeah. right? And you yeah. got to go further than than Brad Stevens did in year one. That's that's what it is. So uh, yeah, I think Orlando would be fine. Tom Barton, Tim Unglesby, Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Hour 1 in the books. When we come back for Hour 2, we're going to kick things off with the travesty that John Rahm experienced this past, well, just two days ago, actually, costing him million-plus dollars, Tommy. We'll break that down on the other side of the timeout. It's Heatwave Sports. It's a super Sunday night. It's Fox Sports Radio.